Yes, hey, if you're joining us online, if you're back, we just watched an incredible scene from the 1980s classic where Indiana Jones, you know, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, he actually discovered the Lost Ark of the Covenant. If you got your Bibles with you, hey, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. That's in your New Testament, Hebrews chapter 9. And while you're turning, I'm just curious, how many of you have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark at some point in your life? Okay, yeah, so um, so then you're familiar with the infamous face-melting scene. You remember, you remember that? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, do you know how many people from our church this past week kept asking me, hey, pastor, are we showing the face-melting scene in church this Sunday? Is your message going to be based on the face-melting scene? Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you bunch of sickos. <laughs> We, I know we're doing at the movies, but we still have standards around here, okay? Besides, what, what would you even preach off that? Hell will literally melt your face off. God bless you. Have a great day. Didn't sound that encouraging to me, all right? So again, hey, we just watched the scene from Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Indiana Jones actually discovered the Lost Ark of the Covenant, which sets us up for a very powerful conversation today. And so I know we're in church, um, but here's the truth. Um, Many church people today do not know what the Ark of the Covenant even is, let alone that it was even in the Bible, let alone that it played a major role in the Bible, let alone that it is actually still supposed to play a major role in our lives today as Jesus followers. Okay, so if that's you, listen, there's no shame in in not knowing. Okay, welcome home. We're so glad you're here. But I believe all of us are going to be in for something powerful today. All right, because, and I'm going to start right here. Did you see the way Indiana Jones and his friend carried the Ark of the Covenant? You saw that, right? Okay, listen to me. All right. Many people do not know that today we are still called to be carriers of the Ark of the Covenant who we are as Jesus followers. We're supposed to be carriers. We're called to personally experience and therefore as carriers also be conduits of God's power then in and through our lives because the Ark of the Covenant was very powerful. Okay, now, in the movie, which took place in 1936, okay, um, a bunch of dirty Nazis. Are there any Nazis that aren't dirty Nazis? A bunch of dirty Nazis were trying to steal the Ark of the Covenant so that they could use it for a weapon of war. Okay, but Indiana Jones thwarts their efforts. Now, it's true that the, that the, the, in some sense it's true, that the original Ark of the Covenant is still lost to this day. Um, However, there are some Israelis that say they know exactly where it's at. But many people have looked for it over the centuries. Yet, let me say this. Do not get your theology about the Ark of the Covenant from this movie. Okay? Get it from the Bible. Okay? All right, listen. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a fictional movie, and so they made up a whole bunch of unbiblical things about the Ark. All right? So, listen to me. Let's do this then today. Let's get a biblical understanding of what the real Ark was really like. And it's fascinating, church. It really is. Now, the ark they showed in the movie was actually an accurate representation of what the 
original real ark would have looked like. In fact, we've actually got another picture we can put up on the screen so we can keep seeing that, all right? That's what the ark of the covenant would have looked like. So let's get into this, all right? Let me explain. Way back in the book of Exodus, okay, God miraculously led his people, the Israelites, out of slavery from Egypt. His whole desire was then, and his whole desire to this day still is, to have a people of his own. To have a people he can call his own. We talked about this last week. A people he can adopt as his kids. People that he can be a father to as we were all originally intended to be before we all sinned and rebelled against God. To this day, Jesus, through Jesus, God is still rescuing people from slavery. From slavery to sin so that we can know his love for us so that we can live according to his purposes for us as we love God back. Okay, but again, thousands of years before Jesus was born, God rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. You might remember, he miraculously split the Red Sea for their escape. He then drowned their enemies who continued to defy God as they tried to keep God's people enslaved. And then God's plan, just think about this, God's plan was then, after he rescued them from slavery, was to then take them into the land that he had promised them. All of this is a giant picture of what Jesus still does for us today. Okay? And, and the land he was going to take them into, though, in essence, it, it really, it's the land that makes up the nation of Israel today. However, in Exodus 25, shortly after God rescued his people, and just before he was taking them into the land... God instructed Moses to have the people build the Ark of the Covenant. It, it was to be a sacred chest, or, or you could say a container, if you will, that would hold or that would actually contain the terms of the covenant that God was making with his people. It was to be made out of a specific wood and then covered in pure gold. It was to, you can see it, stand on its own legs. Poles would then attach to those legs so they could carry the Ark of the Covenant in a very specific way. But then, okay, then, in addition to all that, God had a very specific set of instructions for the lid that would go on this container. And so I want you to see what God says to his people when he instructs them on how they were to build this lid. Watch this, okay? I'm going to read from Exodus 25 in verse 17. You're going to still see the ark, so you can see it, and the verses will come up there, all right? So God says, he says, Then make the ark's cover, or again, you could say the lid. But watch what God calls the lid. He calls it the place of atonement. Make the ark's cover, the place of atonement. That's what he calls the lid for the ark of the covenant. Okay, now check this out. That's an accurate translation, um, but some of you, if you were to look, look this up in your Bibles, it would also be translated this way, as the mercy seat. It can be translated as the atonement cover or the mercy seat. Okay, so God said, make the ark's cover, the place of atonement or the mercy seat, from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. Then make two 
cherubim. Those are the two angelic creatures you see on there. Make two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover while their while their wings or sorry with their wings spread above it they will protect it now watch this closely place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which i will give to you then put the atonement cover the lid on top of the ark. But keep watching this now. Watch, don't, don't stop. God says, I will meet with you there. One more time. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover or the mercy seat between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. Okay, just look at me right now. You got to see this. God just said to his people then, and he still says to his people now, hey, hey, I want to meet with you. I want to talk with you. I want to be with you. And notice this. Hey, but please know my heart, God says. I always want to meet with you from a place of mercy that I have for you. Come on, are you seeing this? Every time I meet with you, I want to meet with you and talk with you and be with you from a place of mercy that I have for you. He says to Moses, from there, that place, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. Okay, so family, listen. Before Jesus was born, it, it may sound strange, but that place right there above the Ark of the Covenant, that was the place, that was the seat, if you will, where God's literal presence resided on the earth among God's people at that time. Okay, but now, I know you may still ask, but, but why an Ark, though? Or, 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 or why build this fancy container? Okay, listen to me very carefully. God instructed his people to build the ark because it would then serve, I want you to remember this, it would serve as a physical representation and a physical carrier of God's promise that he made to his people where God's presence would also reside among his people so that they could personally experience and also be conduits of his power. Let's say that a little simpler. One more time. It was a physical representation and a carrier of God's promise, his presence, and his power in the midst of God's people. You tracking with me? You guys still here? All right, but then... Well, what was the promise that God made to his people? What did he promise them? Okay, well, did you see what he told them that they were to put inside the ark? Remember that? He told them to put the stone tablets with the terms of the covenant that he had made with them, put those inside the ark. Okay, well then, what were the terms of the covenant? Come on, somebody. 
the Ten Commandments. Okay, now I know, maybe we don't all have those memorized, but are, are we familiar with the concept of the Ten Commandments? He, he told them to put the Ten Commandments in there. Okay, so listen, this was the terms of the covenant, okay? God was saying to his people, he said, if you promise to live according to my commandments, then I promise to be with you and to love you and to provide for you and to continuously rescue you, and I promise to personally lead you into everlasting life. Sounds like a pretty sweet set of promises. And family, that's actually a great way to think about like the word covenant, what a covenant is. It's a set of promises. It's a set of promises that two people make to each other. Okay, God's people promised to follow God's commands and God promised to lead them to everlasting life. Sounds like a pretty sweet deal to me. Amen? Some of you aren't so sure though. Because I know this, listen, um, when we start to, typically when we start to talk about God's commands for us, man, oftentimes there's, you know, there's some of us or all of us where, oh, we start thinking about his commands and we, we start to get a little huffy puffy. We start to, uh, just kind of, uh, I don't know about that. We kind of start to get this attitude where it's like, oh, his commands, like, no, 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 no. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. No, no, I, I, I know how to live my life. He's, nobody's going to be in charge of me. Okay, can I just ask, though, when we live that way, how's that work out for us? Well, I'll just speak personally. Listen, every time I listen to my commands rather than Jesus's, that's always when I end up finding myself miserable. Okay, it may be fun for a minute. I can admit it. It may be fun for a minute, but then I always end up frustrated, hurt, ashamed, powerless, and full of regret. Listen, family, we've all believed lies from Satan about God's commands. Okay, we think his commands are burdensome. We think his commands are restrictive. Can I tell you what's really, really restrictive? Death. Death is really, really restrictive. And so listen, Every time we break God's commands, it leads us to death. That's what sin actually is, breaking his commands. So please hear me. When it comes to God's commands, we've got to stop believing lies. We must. Listen, stop thinking have to and start thinking get to. Okay, stop thinking boring and start thinking blessings. Stop thinking punishment. Start thinking promises. Stop thinking laws and start thinking life. Because listen to me, every one of God's commands, even all the commands that Jesus gives us, they are a promise to us that if we will obey them, he will continue to lead us to everlasting life. Now, that said though, um, I also know that sometimes when we hear about God's commands, um, maybe it's not that we get huffy puffy, but sometimes we get discouraged. And we can feel a little defeated. Because we know how many of them we've broken and how many of them we just keep breaking. Okay, here's the really good news then. This is why God told his people back then that every time he wanted to meet with them, he wanted to meet with them from a place of mercy. Because God knew they wouldn't be perfect at keeping his commands, which, praise God, is why he had additional commands that they could follow for repentance 
or, or so that their sins could actually be forgiven when they failed to follow God's commands. And so watch, here's what they do, okay? Because of God's mercy for his people, he allowed them to sacrifice animals on their behalf to cover their sins. Now, I know sometimes we think, man, that, that just sounds cruel, though. Well, listen, um, at the time, in, in some sense, it really was this. It was either you or them. Family, we have to understand that sin is the actual cruel thing that we do. That all of us do. And sin always leads us to death. You and I will eventually die, not just from old age, but because of our sin. And here's why. Because our sin actually kills the very life that God created and gave to us. Which is why the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. Okay, it's an even trade. And so the only way to pay that penalty then, or listen to me, the only way to atone for sin is that something or someone has to die. Come on, either we die and we will spend an eternity apart from God and that way justice will be served for all of the sins that we've committed. Or, come on, someone else who is worthy would have to die for us on our behalf. Amen? So listen, in his mercy, God allowed them to sacrifice animals on their behalf so that they themselves didn't have to die for their own sins, which is where the Ark of the Covenant came in. Okay, so once a year, every year, they'd have to repeat this, once a year, every year, a priest, just one, would enter into the tabernacle or the temple, and then he would enter through a thick curtain inside the temple into a room called the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. Okay, watch this. Then, in the literal presence of God, that priest would sprinkle the blood of a sacrifice onto the atonement cover. Or you could say onto the mercy seat. And then, in that place of mercy, God would look down upon the sacrifice that was made. He would forgive their sins and he'd make the choice to keep leading his people into everlasting life. Okay, but here's a very important question to ask. Um, can the blood of an animal truly cover the sins of a human? Now, technically, it's not a fair trade. But follow me. Here's why God allowed it. Again, because of his mercy. Listen, for his people back then, he allowed it because he knew it was an act of faith, demonstrating that his people actually trusted that God the Father was going to keep his promise to them. Listen to me. God's people back then who had true faith in him, there were many that neglected the ark. There were many that said they were God's people. And they made sacrifices, but their hearts were not in it. 
But those who had true faith in him, they knew that the blood of an animal wasn't enough, but they also understood that God's promise to rescue them, his promise to lead them into everlasting life, meant that one day he was going to send a savior for them. So family, what's God's ultimate promise to his people? Even back then, this was the promise, that he was going to send Jesus that he was going to send a rescuer, that at just the right time, he would send Jesus to save his people. So they lived by faith back then, looking forward to what Jesus would one day do for them, just like we now live by faith, looking back on what Jesus has done for us. Okay, that, that he lived the sinless life that none of us have lived, and that in his mercy for us, He didn't end up treating us the way we deserve to be treated, but rather as the worthy sacrifice. He took our death penalty for us so that we might have everlasting life instead if we'll put our faith in him. So listen, when they would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat back then, Even back then, it's actually that God would look down and see the sacrifice, and he would remember then that he was still going to send Jesus. My son's coming. I'm going to take care of this. And they're trusting that I'll keep my promise. And so in his mercy, listen to me, according to their faith, he would forgive their sin, and therefore they could go free. Listen, that's... That's one, if not the biggest, that's the major role, one of the major roles that the ark played in the lives of God's people back then. Okay, through the ark, God's people experienced then his promise and his presence and his power in their midst. And therefore, because remember, this thing could be carried around. Therefore, this allowed them to be carriers and actually conduits because it was right in their midst. They could also be conduits of his promise and his presence and his power to their world around them. And what do I I mean by power? Come on, his power, his mercy and his grace and his generosity, his blessings, his healing, his freedom, his victory, his everlasting life working in and through their lives. So family, what does the ark have to do with you and me? Okay, because I did say it's still supposed to play a major role in the lives of Jesus followers to this day. Okay, listen to me. I'm going to say it this way. Um, here's why Raiders of the Lost Ark is just a big fictional mess. Okay, because listen, the real ark isn't still lost to this day. His name is Jesus. You with me? The real ark isn't still lost to this day. His name is Jesus. And you and I are called to be carriers and also conduits of his promise and his presence and his power. Listen, we may not know the precise location of that old wooden chest anymore, but we don't need to because God's promise that he made to his people has been fulfilled. Jesus showed up. Listen to me. Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this. He's God's real physical representation and fulfillment of his promise and he is the literal the literal person of God who then manifests God's presence and his power among God's people that old golden container that was just a symbol a glorified symbol of Jesus to come 
You got your Bibles open to Hebrews 9? If you're still there, watch this. Hebrews 9, I'm going to pick it up in verse 11. It says, so Christ, watch this, has now become the high priest, that one priest that would enter. Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come, the promises that have been fulfilled. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle or, or temple in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of his, this created world. Okay, look, so we're, he's about to explain to us what happened in heaven when Jesus died for us on the cross. This is what took place. Watch. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured a redemption forever. And God do this every year. It's done. Under the old system, or when they were still waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity, or you could say from sin. But watch this, come on. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God, or so that we can be his people like he intends us to be. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant. We don't got to sacrifice animals anymore. A new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant family. He died to set us free from the punishment we deserve for all of God's commands that you and I have broken. Somebody praise Jesus. Come on. So then you have to think about this. Jesus is our mercy seat. Jesus is the literal atonement cover. When we put our faith in Jesus, God remembers the blood that Jesus shed for us to cover our sins. And then God then meets us in a place of mercy and grace, not judgment, not condemnation, not anger. No, he keeps his promise to us as he then also fills us with his presence and his power. Come on, we personally experience and then we are called to be, we get to be. Carriers and conduits of his promise and his presence and his power. Again, his mercy, his grace, his generosity, his blessings, his healing, his freedom, his victory, his everlasting life, on and on. Come on, think about this as well. Okay, um, the original Ark of the Covenant, they kept God's commands in it. Okay, well, the Bible says now that God no longer writes his commands on stone tablets, but rather he writes them on the hearts of of his people. And you want to know what his command for us is today? Love Jesus. Follow Jesus. Obey Jesus. Live like Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. And guess what Jesus promises to do for us when we put our faith in him? He promises to lead us to everlasting life. And it's an everlasting life that actually begins right here and right now. Okay, which means this. Okay, just like Jesus, our very lives right now are meant to be physical representations of the fulfillment of God's promise. That ark had legs. Listen, you got legs. 
You are supposed to be a living, breathing, walking around physical representation of God's promise that he has fulfilled. Which means these legs, they're also supposed to be carriers. Carriers of the presence of God and his power among his people and among this world that needs it so bad. You guys doing all right? I ain't got a lot of jokes, but this message is tight. You guys good? Listen to me. Here's my question, okay? Come on. I don't know why I'm walking quite like this, but is that who you are? Is that who you are? I'm not asking, are you perfect at keeping God's commands? I'm not asking if life is going perfectly for you. There are many struggles that are often out of our control. But I am asking, have you given your life to Jesus? And come on, can it be said of you that, yeah, he's leading them. It's obvious he's leading them to more and more everlasting life. What can other people see the fulfillment of God's promise, the fulfillment of his promise to you? Can they see that through you? Can other people experience his presence and his power when they get around you? How, how often do other people, your world around you, how often do they get to experience his mercy and his grace and his generosity and his blessings and his healing his freedom and his victory and his everlasting life. How often do they, they experience that when they get around you? Would they say they experience those things when they're in your presence? Okay, and if not, or if you're not sure, then this is an important question to ask, okay? Are you really carrying the ark? Are you sure you're carrying that thing around? Many people today say they are Christians, but they are not carrying anything else around that the world doesn't already have. There's, there's no promise fulfilled in their lives. There's no presence of God. There's no power that other people can experience. Which means they're not being a conduit either. Not just not a carrier, but not a conduit. Okay, but family, as Jesus followers, listen, it's who we're called to be. Yet even better, it's who we get to be. Okay, and so here's the question. How can we be? How can we be carriers and conduits? I'm going to invite the band to make their way up here. Okay, and look, if you're not sure if you're a carrier, then I got great news. You can change that right now, and, and you can be sure. Put your faith in Jesus today. Put your faith in him. Here, here's what it looks like. Ask Jesus to fulfill the promise in your life. And ask him to fill your life with his presence and your power as you promise to follow him from here on out for the rest of your life. I was telling you, when you make that promise to him, he will fulfill his promise to you. He will lead you to everlasting life. Now, if, if you've already done that, 
Okay, then how can you be more of a conduit? Well, it's simple. Listen, obey Jesus' commands. All of us. Listen, in other words, allow Jesus to pour out his presence and his power through you as you become more like Jesus, as you do the things that Jesus actually does. You want to experience his promise and his presence and his power in your life more and therefore through your life more? Listen, it's simple. Obey his commands. In other words, allow Jesus to pour it out. Worship. Listen, show up with us. If you want to experience more of his presence here in your life, through your life, more of his power through your life, show up in his presence more with us. Commit to be here with us in his presence as we worship Make it a priority in your life. Go to connect. Get connected with the church family. Show up with your neighborhood gathering. Put yourself in his presence where his power is actually poured out more and more. Where you open up your life to him more and more. You want to experience and be a conduit of his power more and more. His mercy, his grace, his generosity, all that. Listen, then what do you need to do? Who who in your life needs to experience mercy and grace from you? You want to experience it more in your life from God. Open your life up to him to be a conduit in the lives of others. You'll experience, it your, your, you'll experience it yourself as others experience it through you. Who needs mercy and grace from you? You want to experience the power of God's generosity? Then in what ways do you need to start being generous? With, with your time and your talent and your treasure, with, with all three of those. I mean, family, listen, give your time to this book. This book It goes over all the details of God's promise to us. Spend time getting to know it so you can live according to it. How can other people experience your generosity? And serve with us. Which, listen to me, it's like practice every Sunday for then how we can actually be conduits out in the world. It'll equip you. Hey, serving kids with us. What a generous way to start impacting families and impacting lives. You want to experience the generosity of God? Start being generous with us. And what if you bring the tithe? Or you start giving generous offerings? What if if you've never given, what if you start giving something today and allow Jesus to pour out his generosity in you and therefore through you? If you used to do that, but you don't do that anymore, what if you repent and you start again and you allow Jesus to pour out his power in and through you? If your world needs the everlasting life of Jesus, then how do you need to start living like Jesus more and more so that his power and his presence and his promises can be fulfilled to other people in your world around you? So gather family, here's what you need to know. His promise and his presence and his power, they are all for a purpose. Okay, they're for things like you and me seeing our region reborn. When we follow Jesus, when we continue to become like Jesus as we do what Jesus does, we then personally experience and we become carriers and conduits of his promise and his presence and his power in our lives. He leads us and he leads others around us to everlasting life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.